This is for our viewers so that they can see the same thing, right? All the trees are standing, yeah. uh, yet the yeah. houses are burnt down. Yeah, it's the same technology. I, I saw this, uh, whatever it was, a year ago, and the car on the left up there uh, melted out, windows gone. That shouldn't have happened. And somebody sent me some other ones, and I saw some materials that should have burned, and they didn't. That's it over there. In the car, toasted. Right. Melted out windows. And uh, those could be Italian cypress over there. I'm not sure. But those should have burned up. You've got huge flames next to them. Do you have any idea as to well, what course, kind of weaponry well, is being used? They've got different lasers on everything. They're on everything with wheels, tracks, flies, or floats. They've got them on everything. Um, I don't suspect tiny little drones, but I'm not going to rule that out either. But... To move fires eight and nine football fields a minute and make a concussion of wind that's pushing this thing around, we actually think they're coming from satellites. And John and Matt and I talk about this a lot. It's the only thing that makes sense. And in my 20s, we had a president in the 80s who came on national TV. It's the only thing I ever remembered about him. Worst president in U.S. history. Um, <laughs> at least as far as I can see. And he tells the world or the country we're developing our Star Wars defense system. And we all laughed at him. Not laughing anymore. No. Um, yes, it could be jets, planes, um, who knows what. We're not sure of delivery systems, how long they do it. You know, is it a minute, two minutes, an hour. We have no idea. We're just trying to catch up and find out what they're doing. Yep. And ha the evidence is hard to find of them doing this, too. Uh, many la lasers I've heard... You don't see them. Our next guest goes by the name of Robert. He is a forensic arborist with over 20 years experience, and he'll be speaking about the massive fires that have been deliberately ignited all across the earth, including Canada and the United States. As many of you are already aware, mainstream media is deceiving the public into believing that these fires are as a result of climate change. However, in tonight's presentation, Robert will provide us with convincing evidence that something very nefarious is occurring. For privacy purposes, Robert has asked to remain anonymous, and for this interview, his image will be blurred. This interview was pre-recorded, so there will be no Q&A this evening. And now, I invite you to relax and get comfortable as we listen to this shocking conversation between Tanya and Robert. Well, thank you so much, Heather, and welcome, Robert. We are so glad to have you on the show. Uh, this is a subject that we have been wanting to address for some time. There's a lot of fires that were going on in Canada that started very suddenly, and uh, they were very suspicious. And then I started hearing about your research. I, th I believe you're, is it in California that you're from? That's correct, California. Okay. And uh, one of the things I understand is that you're a forensic arborist. And so I've got to imagine that you really know trees. And that many years ago, that as you are probably watching the news and hearing about all of these forest fires and taking a look at those pictures, that you started to notice some anomalies. And uh, at that point, you started to dig in a little further and was it a study of the California fires, which led to maybe studying other fires within the United States and then in other countries? Yeah, um, I started studying one or two fires around here. 
And I started broadening my research to the rest of the state and worldwide. Okay, terrific. Um, Well, I'm really, really grateful that you've taken this on. I think that the information you have is critical for people to hear. Now, you have a lengthy presentation, and I'm going to ask our viewers to, uh, you know, to continue to watch through to the end, because the the information as it unfolds, you're going to start with evidence, and then you're going to get into some of the meat and potatoes and uh, cause people really to think critically about uh, how these fires are burning and what could potentially be behind it. And so without further ado, I want to hold, hand the floor over to you, and we're going to get into this presentation. So thank you so much, Robert. Uh, well, you're welcome. As, as far as my background also, uh, I've studied plants, the plant kingdom for 48 years, my entire adult life, wildflowers, ferns, shrubs, um, trees, and uh, many imported plants from around the world also. I've just studied this for a long time. I'm almost a, um, been climbing mountains my whole life and botanizing everywhere I go at all altitudes. It's just been a hobby. Um, became an arborist for 20 years and then a, uh, renamed myself a forensic arborist because that's what I feel I am now. Um, and seven years ago, I saw some pictures here of Santa Rosa, somebody else's picture from either a drone or a helicopter. I was trying to find a place to hike up north from me. And this picture came on my screen. And first thing I noticed is why are all the trees there and the houses are missing? They're just down to white ash, but yet most of the trees remain and they're not burned and gone like they should be. That didn't sit well for me. Um, I've, I cook on the campfire. I always have in all my mountain adventures I know it burns, and everything burns very quickly in a campfire. And I, I look in these pictures, and I see pine trees down here. And there's actually some eucalyptus, if anybody knows. Uh, many of the eucalyptus are the most combustible leaves we, we know of. You can light a leaf on fire with a cigarette lighter in your hand. That's all it takes. And I mean a green leaf, too. And that's not happened in all the fires I've analyzed. Um, for seven years, I've analyzed 38 fire aftermaths in California and Southern Oregon and spent 107 trips now to all of them and collecting evidence. And out of all these fires, only three of them I can say were natural fires where the trees burned up, the needles were gone, twigs and branches were gone and just left blackened poles and stumps and sometimes holes in the ground. But all the others were something else. So here's a second photo of Santa Rosa. This is the Coffee Park region or development where all the houses are turned to white ash. I can hardly find any black areas where normal house fires, there's a lot of black. And also, I haven't found a partial burned house yet. They're always completely gone, leaving a chimney and few metals left. But more than anything, I see the trees. Many of these are very flammable and they didn't burn up. They dried out, the leaves or needles turned a light shade of green, or they turned brown, but I can't say they burned up unless they were very close to a house um, or some other types of metals, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Um, Same year, I believe, 2017, this is the town of Paradise in the Sierra Nevada. Um, 15,000 homes were burned to the ground. 
And here's a picture from another drone or helicopter. I don't see any burned trees except for the Italian cypress that they planted in a row to the left a little bit. Those, for some reason, burned up. All the rest didn't burn up. And most of these is the number one forest tree in California, our ponderosa pine. And in California, that tree burns more often than any others because it inhabits all the uh, forest zones and all different altitudes throughout California. That day or month, they didn't burn up, as you can see with the photograph. White ash for houses and all the trees are still there. That didn't work too well for me. I have a background of hiking through high mountain forests with uh, forest burned to the ground and leaving stumps and blackened poles. And I've never seen a, a forest fire where the needles didn't burn. And especially here, this is paradise also. The houses are missing. They're just gone, white ash. And all the trees are right there. These are second growth ponderosa pine and perhaps white fir and some other imported trees. Um, they, you know, they come in and they uh, forest, cut all the pine trees down. Then they sell the property off. And new trees are planted, and after 50, 60 years, you've got these secondary growth trees that are perhaps 60 to 80 feet tall. Um, but as you can see, the pines are still there. What kind of fire can burn a house to the ground and get that those kind of temperatures, leaving nothing except metals and green on every side of them? Hard to call it a forest fire when the forest didn't burn. It's another photograph from Santa Rosa. That might have been a year later. I can't remember the date. We've had two fires up there. This one, I don't know how many houses were burned down, but these happen to be a jack-in-the-box on the left, a McDonald's at the top, and the gas station on the right, and our Highway 101, a freeway to the right. There's not much around here to even burn. The buildings are down to just metals, and the only trees there, they're not burned. What kind of forest fire forgot the trees? And these would burn up in any kind of forest fire. We have a Chinese pistachio or pistache, African sumac, and Peruvian or California pepper. All three are poison oak relatives. Uh, they would have burned right up. They didn't. And the buildings, what kind of flame would do that? Um, I have to make a mention about this photo and some others. In California, at least five different fire aftermaths They've grabbed an innocent person off the street that was nearby, put them in jail, and are framing them, telling the world that these are the people that created the fire. And these people couldn't have started this, these fires in their wildest dreams. Not at all. Um, this is the Fawn Fire up Redding, California, up by the, the big volcano, Mount, Last, uh, Mount Shasta. The two-story house is just gone. Both stories completely gone. But yet, in, on the left, you have a digger pine, a deodar cedar from the Himalayas, that's pine family, then some ponderosas, and I believe a canary island pine to the right of the center. All these pines didn't burn up. And even in the background, you see a lot of brown, but nothing really burned up, just the homes. Uh, this is last year by Yosemite National Park, a town called Mariposa. Uh, highway 49, our gold rush uh, highway. I saw foul play when I saw pictures on the internet, so I drove up there 140 miles. Same thing, same footprint. Most of the same pines. There's some black oak in there and valley oak also. 
The house is gone, and the only trees burned were the ones really close to it. The rest of the forest didn't burn up. It didn't. And that's most of the fires I go to nowadays. It's nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, Same picture, different angle a little bit. This is one of our biggest fires we've ever had in California. This is the town of Greenville by the volcano Mount Lassen, Cascade Range. The whole town they took away and left one gas station and a, a supermarket. The rest of the town looks like this. There's nothing left except scrap metal. But you look at the background, the whole forest is dead, but I can't say it's burned. And they call this one a firestorm, <laughs> where fire is up in the treetops, burning everything. The main fuel of a forest fire is the leaves, or in this case, the needles. Well, they didn't burn that day. This is happening everywhere I go. The needles aren't burning, and that's the first thing that would burn on any forest fire. Um, on the border of California and Nevada, there's a river called the Walker River near Topaz Lake. and um, a little community in here called uh, Walker, I believe, burn like this. Mobile, mostly mobile homes. It's what I see more often than not is they burn the mobile homes up. Uh, these folks don't have a whole lot of money generally. They're fixed income, living out their days, retired out in the countryside somewhere where they can survive. And um, these are the first things I see burned down. Uh, this was a little metal shop for the man. Um, adjacent to the house right next door had metals everywhere and to the left is your pinion pine of commerce those are the pinion nuts we buy at the health food store that's where they're from all of nevada a highly flammable pine tree right next to the building and even hanging over it it didn't burn and to burn this metal shop up it must be an incredible heat in the foreground you see steel belts from tires the rubber's missing and all that's left is the steel belts. So we had a horrific fire here, but yet the pines, are, it's probably dead, but it's not burned up. And the tree on the right is a Fremont cottonwood. I will talk about that a little bit later. Uh, this is also Greenville, California. The Dixie Fire, they called it. The whole forest is dead, but I can't say it's burned up. These are black oak trees and a ponderosa pine, a little pine there. Same picture as before. Okay, we'll move on. This is also your Dixie fire. Even the white fir and red fir trees and the ponderosa pine, they have needles down close to the ground where even a ground fire would ignite these trees. It didn't happen. The forest is dead, but I can't say it burned up like a normal forest fire. Um, the reasoning I came up for these trunks turning black is your most active um, fluids in your pine trees or any tree is the cambium layer or cambial fluids. And they're right underneath the bark. Uh, they're moving along pretty quickly, getting nutrients from the ground to the top of the tree and a lot faster in water-loving trees, which I'll get into. But the pines, the fastest way to move the nutrients from the ground to the top of the tree and feed the needles and the whole system is the cambium layer. And I believe that was on fire. The liquids of the or sap of the cambium layer was on fire, and that's why these trunks are black. Even though they were black and burned, it didn't ignite the needles. <laughs> that doesn't work too well for me, especially with needles right next to the trunk. Um, another one from the oak fire near Mariposa. Here's needles laying on the ground. 
The needles dropped after the fire. The ground's black. The needles fall, but they didn't burn, even on little pine trees. To me, that's impossible, but it happened. This is the one last year, I believe, they call it the Mosquito Fire on Highway 80, going to Lake Tahoe or Reno, uh, near the town of Auburn, California. A huge amount of acres there burned. Same thing. The needles didn't burn up. And here, it's on the ground, these needles. Um, Lake Berryessa is in the background, one of our largest reservoirs in California. This was another gigantic fire that circumnavigated the whole lake. The reservoir is huge. <laughs> um, one of our biggest fires we've ever had. And here's a digger pine. Didn't burn the needles at all. I'm going to move a little faster on some of these. Um, we have a redwood grove park called Big Basin State Park, south of San Francisco, where there's a lot of redwoods in the park and they're protected. They had a fire there two years ago and it took the whole park away from us. We couldn't go in there for two years. Too dangerous, they said. Well, the fire came down to Highway 1, right on the Pacific Ocean. That's our uh, highway that goes up the coast. I'm standing on the highway with the ocean behind me, and here happens to be a grove of blue gum eucalyptus. Now, I can light these on fire with a cigarette lighter when they're green. No problem. I've camped all over the Bay Area where these trees would grow. They are subtropical, so they won't be up in the snow line. But down here in the lowlands, they're, they're all over. Introduced weed from Australia. Here the leaves are on the ground. They didn't ignite. And this is a very flammable tree. I don't know any trees that are even more flammable. They didn't burn. And I'm finding that all over. Uh, same grove, two or three months later, uh, early winter's coming, perhaps November, December. So the grass is growing, but the trees are still like this. Many of the trees died. Um, a eucalyptus tree depends on species. You can cut it down, it grows back. To find a dead one is almost unheard of. Um, and many of these are dead. They didn't regenerate. I see one in there with some green down towards the bottom. But uh, that's, uh, no, I've never seen that before either. Um, that big fire around Lake Berryessa, I don't remember the name of it. It burned a huge area. Um, here's your second tallest tree in the world. This is a Douglas fir in the pine family. To my left is a house that's missing. And here's a Douglas fir. Pine family should have burned up. Nope. Not one needle burned up. And this is a little short thing, four or five feet tall. Fire went right past it, even burned the oak tree behind it. You see the bark of the oak tree. And here's where the ladies in jail up in Redding, California. These are eucalyptus um, in the fawn fire up there. Not one leaf burned. They're falling on the ground at, you know, later on, uh, early, early winter now. I've, to this day, I've not seen one eucalyptus leaf burn. Uh, same place, same trees. Amazing. Another very flammable leaf or combustible is the California bay tree. It's in the avocado or laurel family, along with avocados, bay laurels, and camphor trees, actually. Um, and noble bay, the cooking bay of your for your spaghetti leaves. This This one... When I'm camping in the wilderness and I'm in the lowlands, I'll find these leaves, pull them off the tree, put them in my campfire that's barely going, and my fire will leap up right away. You have to back up because these are very combustible leaves. To this day, I've not seen a California bay leaf burn. Not one. I'm finding this very often. Trees are burning at the ground level where they hold the most nutrients and water, actually. 
Uh, this is a willow tree or willow shrub. Most of your water, the most amount is contained in the roots and the upper roots, the lower trunks. Um, for some reason, they're burning at the ground level with hardly any fuels in the ground, too. And the leaves will be above, not even burned. I'm seeing trees burn from the inside out at ground level and up the trunks, but leaves not burning. This is an English walnut orchard. The grass is short. They keep it mowed. There's not enough combustible materials to warrant this kind of burning. Nobody stacked firewood against it. And here was a very vigorous, strong tree, plenty of leaves. It wasn't half dead. And the whole orchard looked like this. Just kept burning them up. Um, perhaps five years ago, we had a fire north of Santa Rosa, California, called the um, Kincaid Fire. And I was watching what the tree crews were doing, cleaning up trees. They were cutting down trees that were hanging over the road that appeared dead. And I started seeing these. These are oaks and bays, our two native evergreen trees in California. Um, they're burning from the inside out. And one thing they ha both have in common, a ton of water. They hold a ton of water. When you cut them open, sometimes water is spurting out of them. Uh, no cavity in here, so you couldn't get a fire on the inside of it. And this is a turnaround for vehicles, so you have soil compaction. Roots aren't breathing as good as out in the forest where there's nobody walking around, compacting the soils and lessening the uh, amount of air getting to the roots. So we can't say that the fire went underground and came up through the bottom of the stump. And I see this everywhere. Same thing. These are blue oaks uh, by Yosemite again. Blue oaks are very hardy in their natural habitat. They're not going to have a cavity unless they're three, four, five feet in diameter. This is a young one. Should be not be a cavity in it. But I'm finding them all like this, burning from the inside out. Now, here's your uh, giant blue gum eucalyptus. This one was perhaps 130 feet tall. It fell over. Not one leaf burned. The whole thing burned from the inside out, and it's seven feet tall, just standing next to it. A haunting but mesmerizing scene from the wildfires in Sonoma County. A man came across this tree burning from the inside out. Matthew McDermott was driving around looking for escape routes as multiple fires closed in on the area he was in. The tree appears that, to be hollowed out by embers and flames. Um, and you see the little wire fence here with the, uh, uh, the T-post they hammer in the ground to hold the wire. One of those is actually behind the stump touching it. And I start thinking, how hot did that post get to do this kind of damage? As an arborist, uh, 33 years of cutting trees, I've never seen a cavity in a eucalyptus. I've never seen a hole that you can look inside the tree. None. And here's this monster. I'm standing on the paved road, and it's all dirt here, but this is cattle country. Behind this was a cattle area where they've already eaten the grass down to a half inch or perhaps an inch high of, of dead grass. That kind of uh, or, uh, dead material cannot do this damage to a giant tree. Uh, you could walk through a fire like that. It's only a half inch high of grass. Uh, but yet, here it is. Burned from the inside out. An amazing thing. Um, here's another high water holding capacity tree, a madrone. It's in your blueberry family with cranberries, blueberries, and needs a lot of moisture. Uh, 
also manzanita happened to be in his family. That's very drought tolerant, but it holds a ton of water. And here's the madrone cooked from the inside out. Right below it is a creek that runs all year. I saw dead plants everywhere, but I can't say they were burned up. Now, this is a cypress tree from the internet. This isn't my picture. Uh, you would call it a lightning strike, but lightning doesn't look like that. It puts a strike right down the tree, cuts it in half, thirds, quarters, whatever. It doesn't burn from the inside out. Not like that. And another one. These were from the internet. And everywhere around it's green. Now, this is, I have a lot to say about this tree. This is the probably the largest water-holding capacity tree in the western United States, a Fremont cottonwood. Some of these can be gargantuan, 15 feet across. And you're in the, the cottonwood family with the aspen, the black cottonwood, all the poplars in the world. There's a lot of poplars. And it happens to be in the willow family. And all your willows are extreme water lovers. And whenever I cut down any, either of these two plants, the poplars or a willow, water will geyser out of the stump an inch high, like a little drinking fountain. But yet here it is. This is in a creek, a riverbed, where the river changes course every so many years. All the rocks are round from tumbling around in the river. There's nothing here to burn this tree. Yet, there it is, burned off the whole side and up through the middle. What did that? There's nothing out here. You're lucky if there's any weeds out here. And they burned down, I don't know how many mobile homes in that area. Uh, this is early winter. There's some snow in the background. The same walnut orchard as before, the Lake Berryessa. I found this everywhere. What could burn? And there's nothing here to burn. They have tractors. They mow it. They till it. You just don't have the combustible materials to warrant this kind of damage. It's not like a big thicket of bushes and firewood. Uh-uh. Um, in our California Delta, we have uh, waterways going everywhere. This is on the confluence of the McCalmney River and the Sacramento River a little community called Isleton. Uh, I think this is a year and a half ago, something like that. This happens to be a mulberry tree. Mulberry trees and fig trees are directly related. Their whole plant family contains a white juice for its sap. But it's very watery, holds a ton of water. This is There was only short grass around here. Uh, as you see in the background, the weeds and grasses didn't burn. But here's this mulberry with all the water splayed open like Lightning kept repeatedly hitting it. I've never seen anything in my wildest dreams. The bark flew off. It cooked from the inside out. This would be one of the last trees to burn. There's so much water in it. Uh, any fire go past this, it would still be sitting there, and it would probably re-sprout. Not so in this place. And it was a mobile home park there. 21, I believe 21 mobile home parks, uh, traders or coaches, all burned up. They just turn into metals. Multiple anomalies there. Um, this is a newer photo I wanted to include. These are the uh, two tallest trees on the planet, Coast Redwood from California and Douglas fir. Um, these are all young trees. The biggest one here is perhaps three feet across and maybe even not that big. If you notice the middle of the tree, you see the, the dry area, the darker area. That's the heartwood. The white area towards the perimeter, the side of the bark, is the sapwood, the live tissue. For these small diameter trees, they should only be between 90 and 100% sapwood, but they're not. They're acting like, like they're a 90-year-old man with too much heartwood in the middle. 
this is very damning photograph. It's hard for people to understand, but they shouldn't have that big dark area in the middle with the cracks. It leads me to believe these things were cooked from the inside out. And I don't know what rate, whether it was fast or slow, but they were cooked from the inside out. These trees would not have this amount of heartwood. Uh, be more like the upper left. There's a white one up there with a little bit of brown in it. It'd be more like that one. That probably wasn't in the fire area. Uh, the redwoods you can see that are black in there. Why is there, oh, 60 to 80% heartwood? I've never seen anything like that in my life. So they're ready to go to the mill. <laughs> they didn't crack much. They're ready to uh, turn them into uh, firewood or whatever, lumber to build homes with. But I noticed that right away in these log piles. Now, this is more than, oh, no, same thing. Um, we're at 90% heartwood here <laughs> and only two inches of sapwood. And these were black oaks uh, south by Lake Isabella. That's just way too much heartwood. Um, oak trees, by the way, there's approximately 500 species on the planet. And they all hold a ton of water. They really hold their water. Cutting them open, water will drip out all over the place. Uh, they're not water lovers, they're more on the drought tolerant side, but they contain a ton of water. Here they are, 90% dead on the inside. Makes no sense. Same here, this is Douglas fir and redwood again. The heartwood is just tremendous. I cut down trees for a living. i never seen this unless it's a really old tree. And when you have the two tallest trees in the world, the redwood can be 15 feet across and the Douglas fir at least 8 feet. That, that those sizes you would expect to see a lot of heartwood and even cavities, not these young things. So those are really important for me. Um, I'm gonna get into materials now. Perhaps one out of 200 rubber tires will look like this, sitting in the fire zone, not melted at all. Huh? Okay. Then I see that on the side of it. I get to switch my camera lenses to a close-up. Polyester cord. I believe there's one steel cord around the perimeter to hold it on the rim, but not like the other ones that have all steel belts. This is what I generally find wherever I go. Hundreds of them. It's rare I run into a polyester cord tire that did not melt. If it did, you wouldn't see all these steel belts. It's one or the other. Nothing in between. Either the tire's gone, leaving the steel belts, or the tire's left like that, untouched completely. And to play devil's advocate, I always turn the tire over to see if somebody put it there. No, there's a ring in the dirt. It's been sitting for at least a year. And no black under it, of course. So that's common. It's one or the other. This is more of the same. Uh, your steel rims, they're going to melt around 4,000 degrees approximately. So those are usually intact. Aluminum ones will melt out. And I'll get to that shortly. This is what I'm finding... At most of my fire aftermaths, I'm looking for the fences, the, the wooden ones. They're mostly burning at the ground because I have a theory about the ground itself is on fire. Nothing else, the ground itself. And the attachment points on all these wooden posts, the nails themselves are on fire. And the after effect, because of close proximity, is the wood. But first thing, those nails are on fire. Um, a forest fire would burn from the bottom and burn the whole thing, and it'd be equally black. It wouldn't have patchwork like this and leave the nails like that. It'd burn it and drop the nails on the ground. But I'm finding this more and more and more, where the wood is burning secondary. This was really um, a shock to the system seeing this one. 
If you look close, there's a nail in each burn mark, a little thing they call them brads, little short nails. This was in Mariposa also, the oak fire near Yosemite. Um, it was a wooden fence, and this was the top rail, I believe, where they had one nail for each uh, board going down, every vertical board. So I picked it up, stood it up, to try to get a nice uh, contrast picture. But you can see the nails. What kind of forest fire would burn like this? Well, it, well, it wouldn't. There it is again. A few nails are left. There's th uh, three of them in there. Uh, damning photographs. Again, that's uh, the, the fawn fire up north in Redding. Fire just doesn't do this. Not our wood fires. My girlfriend found that one. Four feet off the ground. The nails burned, not necessarily always the uh, barbed wire. Uh, some metals aren't burning like the two barbed wire spots, but most often the nails are, and I, I can't say what they're made of, uh, all the different metals. This is all the same. I have a, a lot of them here. These are all from different fire aftermaths. And you'll notice the burn pattern is mostly where the nails are centered or screws or hinges. And this is on and on in every aftermath. You would think the arborists or the firemen would wake up to this. I, I don't get it. <laughs> and deep, burning pretty deeply. And then it just goes out. I stood that one up so you could see the nails in that black, uh, I guess it was a four by four. It was laying down there and I stood it up. Just burned there and then it went out. And in the background were ponderosa pines that did not burn up, just the trunks. Um, a fire, I'm not sure how many years ago this was. Uh, same thing. This one, the barbed wire did get hot, and it burned only the areas where the barbed wire was. And perhaps they slid up and down with the winds and stuff. Unusual burn patterns. These are, these are screws or bolts. Um, amazing stuff. A split rail fence made of either incense or red cedar from the California area. We have two cedars in our state that are... Uh, red. They're not pine family. They're false cedars, actually. These are very flammable. <laughs> you can hold. This is what we cut kindling for to start our other fires, get our hardwoods going. We split up cedar with an axe because you can light them on fire with a cigarette lighter. You have enough little pieces? Nope. That didn't happen. To my right are two houses that are just gone. And here's this fence with four or five of these in a row. The wood only burned as, a set, as an after effect. And, that, of course, the metal bar there, uh, some of them were burned on one side only. And perhaps I've got a picture of that, too. I'm not sure where this one was, but you see the nails again. This is a wooden guardrail. There's no metal here. Uh, Port Costa, a little community where all the California rivers come together near Benicia, California, as they head into San Francisco Bay. All the rivers join and become the uh, San Joaquin or Sacramento a little park there, and they made a guardrail out of wood. Um, it only burned where the screws were. At each um, block here, that's the only place they burn. That's a different one. And then the fire just goes out. I have no idea how long they're on fire, whether it's a, a minute or an hour. I have no idea. Here are the nails again, and also that piece of steel going in the ground. There's a one-sided one. Only burn on that side, and I believe it's because that metal T-post was uh, on fire. I see many of those. Uh, this is up north, a little community called Calpella. Um, can't remember the name of the fire. There was a, 
a poor person, a homeless person standing on the bridge over the Russian river that was just happening to stand there and watch the fire. They quickly grabbed him and put him in jail and framed him. He couldn't have started these fires in his wildest dream, but they blamed it on him. It's a parking block, homemade, perhaps 30 feet long, woods right on the ground the whole way just to stop your front tires. Every stud that goes in the ground only burned where these bolts are. There, each one's different, whichever one you look at. Same thing, only the bolts. Nowhere else. See, those are all different. Um, more of the same. I'll get through these a little bit quicker. Now, this is four feet off the ground, the fawn fire also. Mostly, I believe the nails here were on fire. I don't necessarily uh, say that barbed wire is on fire unless there's a lot of wraps of it. And then there's a big screw at the top going through. I see this everywhere. The weirdest burn patterns you've ever seen. Um, up in the Sierra Nevada on Sonora Pass Road. This is up in the upper coniferous zone, almost subalpine. There's an old bridge there they don't use anymore for cars. Highway 108, Sonora Pass. The whole bridge burned up, and for some reason, they decided to get rid of all the material. I don't know why they would even care, but they still left this, and I saw it right away, burning mostly where the bolts are. I'm finding this everywhere. Nothing passes my eye. I meticulously go through every fire site. So here's the nails again. It's an old wagon wheel, and around the whole wagon wheel, it mostly burned where the nails attached it. And then it just go out. They wouldn't even finish the job of burning the wood. Amazing. Background here. Trunks are black. Needles didn't burn. So what I'm, in all my research for seven years now, I've met two fire captains on YouTube. You will see them. Captains, uh, fire Captain John Lord and Matt Dakin, who analyzed Paradise three different times and did five videos. Uh, I got a hold of them, and they became fast friends of mine. And I taught them a few trees because they're not aware of combustibility rates of trees or which species are which. They don't want to teach the firemen, so the firemen will not have an idea what to look for. They just turn on the hose and put out the fire. Um, and talking with my friends, we've come up with the idea that these are, we think they're microwave fl flames. Actually, microwave flames. If you were to put a nail in a microwave, it'll spark and it'll catch on fire. And I don't want anybody to try that, of course. But we thought of all the fires, butane, propane, acetylene, and other different types of accelerants. They don't attack nails. Why would they? But a microwave will. And we're seeing this over and over and over. I'll get into other materials here pretty quick. There's that fence. Four feet in the air. <laughs> um. Um, we have a town in the top of the Sierra called Markleyville. They burned up a huge area up there. And I've been there four or five times now. Last weekend I was there. And here's your bolts. It just burns around the bolts and the nails. I've got a lot of these pictures. Uh, <laughs> amazing thing. The nail or screws here and a little metal fitting. That's where most of your burning is going to be. Guardrails. I have plenty of pictures, but this is my best one. because it. It really shows the bolt and the, the wood area it burned. And, and just a little bit right there. Then it goes out. And guardrails, you know, they're not put out in the forest. There's no brush against them. Guardrails are in gravel or dirt. There's not enough combustible materials around them to do any damage to them. 
maybe blacken them a little bit. And I've noticed this now for, oh, five years, say, in California and I think Oregon. When they take guardrails out, they're replacing them with this. Metal and the black thing is plastic. I've checked it out. It's plastic, and I got the feeling that it's microwave safe. So when a fire comes through in new areas, they won't be burning. They should. They should melt with a, a regular wood fire, but I have a feeling they won't. Okay, um, Matt and John that analyze Paradise, they told me to start looking for the culverts. As soon as the Paradise fire was out, the road crews came out, I mean right away, and started pulling the pipes out that went under the road and replacing them with plastic. Uh, a regular forest fire has nothing to do with these pipes underground, three to six or even ten feet deep. That makes no sense. And that struck a nerve. So every time I go to these fires, I'm looking for road repair where they've dug up the road and pulled the pipe out. I've already found four different fire aftermaths where they're doing it. This is the Caldor fire where they say uh, some people lit it on fire with their ATVs and a chain dragging. No, they burned the whole western side of the Sierra west of Lake Tahoe and uh, also the Carson Pass area. So they're replacing them with cement like this, if there's a lot of volume in the creek, or a plastic pipe, but never metal again. Huh. And here's one of them here. They were doing the work. This is up at altitude. This is up at 8,000 feet. It's rare to have a forest fire in California at 8,000 feet. This is almost the subalpine belt where I backpack all the time. And how many fires have I ever seen up there? Zero. Uh, you will see some lightning strikes that get one or two trees, a small grove perhaps. But it's not going to burn the whole mountain down, square mileage. That just doesn't happen. Trees are farther apart. Uh, many are stunted. They're in pure rock. We don't have the duff layer in the ground with needles everywhere. You just don't have that kind of fuel. It's cooler climate at 8,000 feet. This fire, they said it went to the top of the ski resort on the next pass over. 9,000 feet. <sighs> I've never heard of that one. 9,000 foot forest fire. Um, here's some different uh, materials here. Here's your T-post you hammer in the ground to keep cattle in with barbed wire. I'm starting to find this more often. This is after winter came. The fire was, say, say last year. I don't know what year this was. Winter comes and goes. Here's early summer. Everything's dead. Nothing grew in the ground by the post. It sterilized the soil. No seed structures came up. No deep-seeded corms, bulbs, rhizomes, rootstocks, none of those. And weeds always come back. That didn't happen there. So I start thinking, how hot did the, did the ground get? And I'm going to go back and check up on that one again and see what happened after two years. Um, north on Highway 101 in Santa Rosa is a lake called Lake Sonoma, Sonoma County. Uh, there was a fire there, uh, burned a lot of areas. And this is a pickup truck. And the back windows melted out. It shouldn't melt out. That's 2,500 degrees that melted. And your forest fire only tops out at 1,427 degrees. But besides the melted window and all the tires are gone, leaving steel belts, you'd think incredibly hot. Then what is that plastic chainsaw doing there? I think I have that model. It melted a tiny bit, but this incredible heat in the back of that truck, it should have taken all that orange plastic away completely. Didn't happen. And here is the Big Berryessa complex fire, whatever they called it. This is a Fremont cottonwood. There's a spring behind it on the hillside because they're extreme water lovers. They have to have water or they'll die back. 
Uh, behind me is a house that's missing. Here's this huge cottonwood. There was actually two of them. They burned from the inside out. All the leaves are there. You see them on the right. What the heck? This holds more water than any tree I know of. But there it is. It burned from the inside out. And it was healthy. It was happy and healthy. I, I bet there was no cavity in it. Uh-uh. Not when it grows in a spring. More of the rims. This is the way I find every car. Uh, your aluminum rims at the ground here, they melt out like that. And sometimes they kind of, what I call chunk out, they'll come out in chunks. And that might be because some are alloys. They're not pure aluminum. They'll come out in weird chunky patterns. But they all look like this. Every single car, no exception. To this day, I've not seen one window intact. I've seen somewhere between 800 and 1,000 cars in the 32 aftermaths. Not one window anywhere is intact. And if you talk to city firemen about windows melting out, they'll look at you, you like you're crazy. They've never put out a car fire where the windows are melted out. But here they are. Only metals left. There's the where I call it chunking out. They come off in weird uh, chunks like this, not like the aluminum. So perhaps this is an alloy. Uh, I'm not sure. Or other way around. This is more aluminum and the other one's the alloy. I, that's not my area. But this is what I find. Another one like that. Kind of weird. Tires always gone. Completely. Unless it's polyester core. There's your windows. That's the way I find them. They melt out. Fall into the dashboard area. And wherever I find them, there's always combustible leaves around. This is a... I believe these are black oak trees in the back. It's just some dead leaves, but they didn't burn up. <laughs> um, some people will say, well, it's the gas tanks that blew up. Uh-uh. If that gas tank blew up, there'd be chunks of car laying around. Nope, I've not seen anything like that. No, no distorted body shapes like that. This is a friend of mine. We had, an, we had uh, two years ago in September, I believe, we had fires on every single side of the San Francisco Bay Area. They took away land everywhere. I've, I've analyzed every fire. None of them were normal. Not one. This is out in the canyon where my friend has 25 of these old, I believe, Buicks in the background. And this is his car to go back and forth. Same thing. Windows melted out, rims, tires. And in this area, it's a blue oak forest with digger pines. The blue oaks were cooked from the inside out. Not much grass. This area, as far as fuel on the ground, not a lot of de- downed uh, bushes or limbs or anything to warrant this kind of uh, burn pattern. Just not much around there to burn. You could have a grass fire, but you're not going to do this to this vehicle. And his whole flat here was pretty much just dirt with few grass. Yet 25 of his cars look like this. Um, up in Greenville again, whatever that car was. This is the way they look. Trees nearby, they burned a little bit. And I believe that's all from close proximity to metals. Um, north by the volcano, Mount Shasta, is a town called Weed. Uh, last year, they had a fire at, at a mill, a lumber mill, and they called it the Mill Fire. And if you find pictures on the internet, you'll find a picture of the roof on fire of the mill, one of their buildings. And the whole roof is metal. <laughs> uh, here, they've a couple people passed away here, burned up in the fire. The trees that burned the most were these on the left. This is a sycamore. There's mulberries and sycamores. A sycamore holds a ton of water. It's usually right next to a creek. Perhaps you have a sycamore on the East Coast. I believe you do. Um, those burned from the inside out. Killed them. And yet behind you'll find pines here and there. 
dry but not burned up. This pine needle branch was only three feet from this car. It didn't burn the needles and the whole tree, of course. And this car, it's just toasted. Like Judy Wood would say, it's toasted. And everywhere in the background, leaves, leaves, leaves. These are forest fires that forgot to burn the needles. The number one part of a tree or a forest fire is the needles and your pine cones also. Yeah, again and again. It's the same pattern wherever I go. That's a fire truck. When the forest is over there, all the needles fell. I was a year later, and they haven't cleaned up. There's so much to clean up, they can't even get to it. What could do that to a fire truck? <laughs> um, last year's mosquito fire, again, on my way to Lake Tahoe. Same thing. All the ponderosa pines, black on the trunks. The needles didn't burn. And this is that Delta Isleton with the 21 mobile homes that burned up. The only wood in the whole area besides trees was the little wood decks you go up to go in your door to walk in your mobile home. The wood didn't burn at all. And yet the mobile home, you can see the frame there, it's just gone. I've got another picture. I hope it comes up. Same thing in the whole place. Only the metal things were on fire and anything uh, in close proximity. This was a mobile home that burned down. And right behind it, I don't even think 20 feet away, these are California bay trees. Very combustible leaf. To this day, I've not seen a, a bay leaf burn. Not one. Also, up north, the weed or mill fire. Dead trees, dead trees everywhere you go. Uh, these are all black oaks, these younger ones to the right. They hold a ton of water, and I, I believe that's why those are burned up, because of the water content just inside the uh, bark. But the pines should have burned first. They didn't. <laughs> Everywhere I go. That's up in Reading also. The whole forest is dead everywhere you look. I can't say it was on fire. Incidentally, pg and out here very quick to change the power poles. They're here almost as the fire is still going. They're that quick. And they have a stockpile of poles because all the poles are burning off at the ground. And uh, they must have a huge supply of of telephone poles. And now they have a different one here. I think it's metal or it's some other... Uh, it's not wood. It's made of something else. Whole force, just dead. And the car's toasted. I find uh, trampolines. A lot of trampolines. Um, in a forest fire, that's going to melt and be gone in seconds. Um, perhaps it did heat up a little bit, but you got the kids' play toys there, wherever they were on the property. They didn't melt. And all your pines, again, they didn't burn. A mobile home. There's the deck. So this is a different deck in the same mobile home park. That's the door frame to walk inside the mobile home. You open the door and walk in off your deck. How could the wood not be burned even on the other side where the door is? Fire doesn't go straight up and down. It laps all over the place. The, the wood deck should be burned at least on the far side, and it's not. These flames don't recognize organics. They're conveyed by moisture. That's what I've come to figure out. Plastics, this is like sandwich bag material. This is a, a bag of soil. And to play devil's advocate, I moved it out of the way, and underneath was dirt, no black. It had been sitting through the fire, and it, it tried to melt a little bit. Uh, but there was metal all over the ground here. There was a tool shed with little metal parts, screwdrivers and wrenches, and there was metal here and there. And then the leaves fell off the oak tree and covered up a lot of these little metal pieces. 
that was there, same place, uh, Calistoga, California, where the wine country is. Uh, a little seat cushion, synthetic, didn't want to burn. The swimming pool is next to Big Basin. It's private property near Big Basin State Park. The tarp there, plastic. The pool should have been should have been all black, melted somewhere. Didn't happen. And I think the awning to your left collapsed because it has bolts uh, made out of some kind of metal at the elbows. And I think the bolts actually heated up, and that's why it collapsed. To my right is a house missing. There's your redwood forest. All brown. Can't say it burned up. Trunks are black again. That's also in the yard. A canopy for your table. There's a table under it. Um, I don't think they made this of asbestos. That'd be a new material to make canopies out of. Not even one hole in it. And your six media giants in the United States would tell you it's the flying embers. They reiterate that all the time. So you get the firemen saying it now. The flying embers. Well, I don't see a hole in it. Um, I knew they were basically stealing plastics off your private property before they let you back in. They have to, they, they always tell you they have to make it safe until it's made safe. No, they're collecting stuff off your property, things that didn't burn. There's wood in there, all the different plastics. It's all stockpiled, ready to take it off and out. I've seen this only twice now. Um, and there's only one cabin here. Wherever they got all these, they wheel them down the road and they stockpile them to be taken away. I hope people can stay vigilant and look for these things. Get into these fire aftermaths as quick as you can. Get pictures, circulate them, show everybody what's going on. There should be no reason to take these bins away, but they didn't melt, and we can't have evidence like this laying around. Somebody might get wise to it. Forest is dead, but I can't say it's burned. And here's your wood here, old wood structures that have no moisture left in them, like the trees have moisture. These don't. They're not burning so much. I've even seen dead trees in the forest that weren't blackened. They don't have any fluids in them anymore. So they're not burning. I'm finding plastics everywhere, toys and such. Another pool. Ah, it melted a little bit, but I got a feeling there's some metal fittings right here on the pumps and so forth. Houses are missing. Greenville, California. Um, these objects here, there's a little, little bit of melt here, but they should be melted to the ground in puddles. This was behind a wall in Greenville where if you drove by, you wouldn't see these plastics. I walked every street in the downtown area and I couldn't find plastics anywhere except right here. So they're coming on your property and taking everything that should have melted and, and getting rid of it. And they, they couldn't see this. Um, untouched, grounds black everywhere. A swing set. There is metals here and I don't know why these didn't ignite. But plastics all over and a police caution tape for what? <laughs> um, don't have an answer for that one. But the plastics did not melt. And the tree, you see the forest again. The twigs burn right behind the needles. Um, any forest fire burns the twig of the needles, then the twigs, and moves its way to larger diameter branches. But plastics, unaffected. Yeah, synthetic tennis shoes, the ground's black. Here's the other pile behind a container freight. Uh, the oak fire near Mariposa in Yosemite. You couldn't see this from the road, and they were stockpiling it to take it away. And I think the people that take all the debris away have no idea what they're doing. They're just told, anything you find that you can carry, put in a pile, and we're going to take it away for safety. Well, there's your garden hose, rubber. The plastic black hose across the top, plastic. 
the chair, the little pots to put soil and plants in. A lot of this stuff here should have burned up. A toe strap in the middle, that's yellow. But but you see metals along with it. So I got the feeling that they're um, just taking everything off your property. Uh, people need to stay vigilant and see what they're doing. Is the empty trucks coming into your private property? Get in there as fast as you can, see what's going on. Another tie-down strap or toe strap here. Should have been gone. Nope. Garden hoses, unaffected. Now, all these pine needles fell after the fire. They came down and covered the ground. But you notice where the water, the hose is connected to the downspout in the ground. That's where the metal is. That's the only place black. Garden hose should have melted up. So it shows you the metals are on fire. I'm finding that more and more. Um, and that's what I've got. That's my best pictures. I, I probably have over a 1,000 photographs. But those were my best uh, forensic pictures that I've taken. And I borrowed other people's, especially the aerial pictures. Well, I'm, I'm sitting back here in awe, and I would imagine that our viewers are as well. Uh, Robert, what you're showing us here, the copious amounts of evidence and information that you have. Uh, Terentio, can you bring up that one photo of Lytton, B.C.? Uh, the reason is, is because, you know, there's a lot of uh, Canadians that are going to watch uh, this uh, video and we want them to understand that this isn't just uh, an anomaly down in the United States, but this is happening in Canada. And some years ago where Dr. Hoff, he was a doctor that was standing very much out on the front line and calling out all of the corruption and the harms of the jab. And so the fire that you had texted me a moment ago, uh, Trenzio, that image, I think it's down on the left, down in the left corner. I've seen most of these already. Right. Same so thing. this is for our viewers so that they can see the same thing, right? All the trees are standing, yeah. uh, yet the yeah. houses are burnt down. Yeah, it's the same technology. I, I saw this, uh, whatever it was, a year ago, and the car on the left up there uh, melted out. Windows gone. That shouldn't have happened. You look around really it's, close. There was, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I was going to say it. You say it. Go ahead. You said you look around really close. Yeah, and somebody sent me some other ones, and I saw some materials that should have burned, and they didn't. Uh, I don't think you have it in this collection. Uh, there was a house before and after, and when you look close, you'll find things that. Why didn't those burn up? Oh, there's the house. There it is on the left. House before and after. The trees are they're probably dead, but they should have burned up between two houses. That's it over there in the car, toasted. Right. Melted out windows. I know those could be Italian cypress over there. I'm not sure, but those should have burned up. You've got huge flames next to them. Uh, that was one of the ones that stood out. And um, down b below the chimneys down there on the left, uh, all you see in the background is trees, 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 trees. Yeah, now right you right used an. Yeah, you used an interesting word when you were describing you, describing this and what was happening. You said whatever technology that they're using. Yeah, I'm. You know, we're right now. It's, it's guesswork. You know, we're trying to play catch up. We know the metals are on fire, so we kind of think microwave fires because I've had a microwave fire. I put some tin foil in my microwave uh, because all your regular combustible materials are not burning up; just the metals. And the conduit of water and moisture. We see it in the creek beds, uh, the cambial fluids of all these trees, and mostly uh, the extreme water lovers, the willow cottonwoods, and then it goes into the maples, madrones, uh, and all your oak trees. They hold a ton of water. 
um, they shouldn't be burning from the inside out and leaving the leaves alone. It makes no sense. And if you well, saw one or two, you'd think, okay, that's an anomaly. But when every tree in the forest looks like that, that raises questions. Well, 100%. Like what you have shown is so compelling. When I was looking at the uh, metals on the one truck and you had described it as the metal was twisted. And I think, you know, about a farrier and horseshoes and having it over extreme heat in order to pound that metal into a different shape. And so that extreme heat, I think you did a comparison of uh, the degrees in which a fire generally burns compared to that that would do something so extreme to twist metal. Yeah, to twist it. You're, you're right around the 4,000 degree area to, to, to changing any shape of these metals. Depends which metal it is, of course. Uh, but the common ones, like some of the cars, you'll see a big dent in the side, like nothing ran into it. Why is there a big dent in, or the or the roof of the car is collapsed? I'll see some of that, and like, huh? Um, so you you'll see some twisted stuff and stuff that doesn't make sense, and also bridges. I don't have the picture there. I should have. You'll find a regular steel bridge, and on top is uh, your cement railway or your or your tar, your asphalt tar, and there's no trees around these bridges. And I've seen many of these, and the tar will melt through the bridge and fall down into the creek bed. And I mean, to get to these temperatures, and there's nothing around it to do that. But yet underneath are giant steel girders. That's what's been heating up, the steel girders. Um, right. not, not the tar. There's no bushes, trees, nothing combustible around these bridges. And this is happening time and time again. And they're quartering them off and uh, trying to keep people out, but people are getting pictures of them. Uh, incidentally, when you talk, when I talk about these bridges and superstructures that have no combustible materials, this happened in the car factory in China. You'll find those. All the cars are toasted in a car factory, and they said we had a small uh, fire. Also in Liverpool, uh, uh, England, there's a parking structure with seven or ten stories tall. It's all cement. I believe there's 1,100 or 1,400 cars in this in this superstructure. There's no wood. The whole thing was toasted. The entire parking structure made of cement. And you'll find those Liverpool parking structure on fire. All the cars were toasted, and the cement was somehow pulled apart with some weapon. And all you could see was the steel rebar underneath that was supporting the whole structure. And they said, oh, we had a small grease fire. You could put a grease fire in cement, and you're not getting through it. It might take you a year to get through it. But yet, you'll see those on the internet. All the cements look like they took a king-sized rototiller and went back and forth and got all the cement out of it, and all you see is the rebar. What the heck? And all the cars were toasted, every single car, on multiple layers. I mean, how do you burn a car below you when there's no path, clear path, for the fire to get down there or upstairs? Uh-uh. A small grease fire, they said. Oh, really? Well, is, and it's happening around the world. Isn't this why they uh, build houses now, sorry, apartment levels with concrete, so that if there's yeah. a fire in one unit, it doesn't go through the wall and burn the other? What you yeah. seem to be describing here is like the, the capacity of an incinerator. Uh, when you talked about the tar and gravel, I knew somebody used to do tar and gravel roofing. And <laughs> I, I mean, the heat of the tar in order to do this job, I mean, one man fell into uh, a very tragic situation, but fell into one of the tubs off of one of the roofs and, you know, he didn't make it. I mean, this is very serious heat and yet plastics are surviving. The trees right, so are still a, standing. That's correct. So it's a, it's a different kind of heat. 
Um, incidentally, around the uh, world, I've analyzed some of the other photographs in the last five to seven years, and you'll you'll find all these pictures on the internet unless you take them off. Greece, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Portugal, the China Car Factory, the whole Australian fire, Fort McMurray, uh, Canada, your Lit- Lytton, that place. All the cities up and down California, not one of those that I've looked at or seen in the news were normal. Not one. I'm used to backpacking the whole Sierra. Yeah. How many fires have you investigated and how many of those were actually natural forest fires? 107 trips now to 38 fire aftermaths. Only three, I believe, were natural because the trees burned, the branches burned. Sometimes it'd only be 20 feet high. It'd burn, you know, 100 feet off the top of the tree. It looked normal everywhere. So possibly three, and that's it. All the rest were something else. Um, these are attacks. These aren't normal wood fires, lest the forest would burn. And they, yet they want to tell us these are forest fires and firestorms, the worst you can get. Well, why are there needles still on the tree? What is burning to make it a firestorm? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's, so- that's the interesting thing as well. When you were showing your friend who had, I forget how many cars, you said 30 cars, and it says fires need fuel to burn, and yet there was really no... Uh, tangible grass around to ignite the fires to spread from one vehicle to another. That's right. Very thin grass, poor soil. The blue oaks don't even like it up there, but they're survivors and they hold a ton of water. And we actually cut some of them down for him because they were leaning over his cars and he didn't want more damage. You know, they were all hollow. And even if a fire came through that area, you could put a fire blanket around you and run right through the fire out to the other side. They're just not that hot. And they're gone in a second because the grass, there's just not much there. The cattle would starve there. <laughs> there's yeah. not enough for cattle. Many of these right. places are in September in cattle country because people have to have cattle to pay their taxes on their land. And they've eaten it down to a quarter inch, half inch, one inch. And they're starving. So the hay truck has to show up to throw bales of hay off to feed them. But yet, like the giant eucalyptus laying down. Why is that burned from the inside out right next to the road? Huh? It just defies all logic. It's it's not normal at all, of course. You're saying something interesting as well. You're talking about cattle. A lot of the images, uh, you know, obviously weren't in the cities. Some fires maybe you named in other countries were. But are the fires all pretty much in rural areas? I can't say they are when when I'm looking at these other areas. Um, uh, The whole San Francisco Bay Area, every ridge on the whole... San Francisco Bay Area, they burned up in one one summer. And uh, the house counts are huge, huge. I used to have a list of all the California fires. These house counts are huge. We've never seen anything like it. But they're generally, I want to say not downtown cities, but they don't care. Uh, Santa Rosa, 4,700 homes. And that's a very populated area with not a whole lot of trees and stuff. Paradise is in the mountains, but 15,000 homes. Almost every well, fire seems to be 600 or 1,000 homes just gone. And in Paradise, they had 10 mobile home parks, all 10 gone. They burned them all up. And I went there three years later, analyzed it. I found the anomalies still, can't hide them from me. Uh, Gone, 10 mobile home parks. And so these people are out of, you know, if they're lucky, they can buy another one. If they're lucky, if not, they got to go back to work, go back to the city, move to a stack and pack city. Who knows? 
Well, you've just said something that's kind of interesting, right? Is because we're looking at this uh, global agenda and, and something to this magnitude. There's no doubt that the UNWEF and all those who have signed up for it must be behind it. It can't happen, be happening in so many countries and, and just be a coincidence. I don't believe in those, especially nowadays. But right. you just said something key is that, for instance, the people in the mobile homes, now they're going to have to move into the cities. Well, what are they trying to do is to force people into the cities to have all of this global control in the 15-minute cities, smart cities. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of reporting on this. If people are watching this for the first time and you're just learning about Action for Canada, uh, we are a national organization and uh, we are... Uh, we're not just an organization that's reporting the news. We actually are getting citizens mobilized and we have incredible resources to counter what the government is doing. In this particular area of the smart cities, we have a smart city notice of liability that is being served to mayors and city councils and uh, telling them this is an exercise in futility. We have the right to mobil mobility. Uh, but if there's something sinister afoot like this, uh, we also need to be taking steps to, as Robert has said, get in there, do whatever you can to get videos and evidence. And then what would you suggest, Robert? Would they go to their local officials? Do they go to the national uh, fire uh, investigators? Like, what's the next steps? You know, it's a very tough call because everybody above us is pretty much bought out and trained to think differently. Even your college kids, the new fire science, they're teaching them uh, stuff that's not really correct and fire safe buildings and all that stuff. You know, that's just one huge lie and distraction. Um, you know what? I think the areas I came up with is firemen. Um, and you have to start at a low level there, just the firemen going out doing the work. The higher ups, they might have already been told and, to, you know, disregard what I'm saying, the crazy guy, and just do your job. Because I've talked to many firemen, and I find the young ones are interested, and the older ones are kind of offish. But start with firemen and arborists. Arborists, I would hope, would see some of this, but all the arborists I know don't have a clue. None of them. They don't have any background in, you know, nature. They're book smart and city smart, but when it comes to nature, they don't have a, a clue of what I see when it's so blatant. And the other... Uh, it's, of course, your media. You know, what the president did back in the 80s, he deregulated the media, and four people, four billionaires bought out everything in America. Now we're only up to six. Well, they're all on the same page, not right or left. They're all on the same page, and to get your own media out is very important, but they'll try to stop it any way they can. I always call it get the happy news out, get a newspaper out with the happy news. But to try to get on TV or the radio, they won't let it happen because you would be getting the truth out. Um, right. And so that's one of the biggest thing is the control of the media. How do you beat that? Like YouTube, anything that's too good, too many likes, and people are waking up, it's quickly taken off. Um, so that's one of the biggest things is getting it out through some type of media source, even the smaller papers in local towns, radio shows, whatever we can to avoid the big six, which is hard to do. They bought out all American radio and TV, all of it. All yeah. the major newspapers and major magazines in America, six billionaires. I won't get into who they are. Yeah, I know. Um, well, that's that's one of the reasons why. And that's another why story. Is, 
Yeah, we're on to that too. Uh, Most of our viewers are very familiar with all of this. We keep people really well informed and the independent news as well. And so uh, we've been censored from YouTube a long time ago. And so we've had to build up our uh, base with Rumble. So on that, I want to ask people to subscribe to Action for Canada's Rumble channel. We've done amazing uh, reports on the C40 plan, the 15-minute cities, what's happening within the city and towns, the policies that that are already being passed, which is all of these different areas are all working together for one common goal, and that's to control society. And uh, so it's really important that our viewers would take the time to share this video, please, and get Robert's information out. Uh, Robert, you had mentioned that you have befriended two fire captains. Uh, What is their view on this? And uh, did have they come up with any suggestions? Well, that's how I found him. I was on YouTube myself scrambling, trying to figure out what's going on because this is not, nothing was normal. This is seven years ago. And I finally found those two because I watch every single YouTube fire video in California and they came up and they're talking about everything that I see. And I didn't know you could leave a message on YouTube. So I left a message and John Lord, who passed away sadly a couple of years ago, he got back to me two weeks later with his phone number and I went up to meet him. I showed him all my work, all my photographs in a binder I carry. And at the end of the day, he says, I'm exactly right. Everything I talked about. And he's got 30 years in fire captain. And so does Matt. And they happen to live near each other. Great guys. Um, And I had to teach them the trees and combustibility rates. They won't teach firemen that because if they did, firemen say, hey, wait a minute. Something's not right here. Why is this willow tree burning from the inside out and the leaves didn't burn? The extreme water lovers. And I had some other points I left out I forgot about. Some of these fires will follow a creek line. It's flat ground. The fires will stay in the creek bed and go and burn up the bank a little ways, but not top the bank and go up the mountain. And fire likes to climb. It'll go a quarter mile down the creek bed and burn all the willows and water lovers and forget to go up the hill, no matter which way the wind's going. And the other is um, in your area, you're on the East Coast. You have red oaks there and you have a birch there. I think a couple of different birches. Look for your hardwood forests because most of those are going to have a high water holding capacity. And in the riparian corridor, you'll find more willows and your, your different poplars. Look for those and you'll find the damage there. They can't hide it there, especially if you have a chainsaw or you see ones that have been cut near the road. Um, your guardrails also, they should not be burned up. Um, because I heard from a couple other people, a lot of these are out in the forest and there's no houses around, so you got to find materials. Look for the same things I showed you, the pine needles, firs, spruce, whatever you have, and you have larch over there, deciduous pines. Uh, they shouldn't have brown needles. They should be burned up. <laughs> that is your forest fire. Um, so that there's a lot to look for, um, and I think but that's I'm- what I wanted to get to. Yeah, if you if you think of the other ideas as well that you've missed, please feel free to throw them in. So two things. One, I am on the West Coast as well. and uh, But this goes nationwide. It'll be all on the East Coast. So it's good information for our friends on the other side of the country to know. Uh, I've been through the Redwood Forest, one of my favorite places to drive through those mag- the magnitude of those trees and the enormousness. And it's just such a beautiful uh, place. So I was intrigued by those photos that you were showing of the heartwood. And then did you call it the redwood on the outside? Redwood? The sapwood. Live tissue and sapwood. There's sap flowing through it. Right. And And there's something else I have to bring up before I forget. I didn't bring this up with Peggy Hall. 
When they burn up one of these nice parks of ours where everybody likes to go, they close it down, Like, and I'll use Big Basin as an example. They closed it for two years. When they reopen, oh, they don't have power. They don't take cash. They only take credit cards and bank cards, and you can only do that online. You have to, to go out and play at a park. You have to get on your computer, turn it on, and get a day-use permit to go out and play at a park. If you get there, they'll turn you around. Oh, you don't have your day-use permit. You get online. So it's stopping people from going out to the these great parks. They're doing it in Yosemite. They're doing it on the island, uh, the 10,000-foot volcano in Hawaii, the road to the road to Hana. You can't drive up it anymore unless you have a day-use permit online. Another park in the Bay Area has all the waterfalls. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, a friend told me about that. He got the permit. He went there. The parking lot was half empty. So they're making you go through these uh, channels to, to get a day-use permit, and they're doing it more and more. They're getting us out of the wilderness and making us stay in the city, the walkable, sustainable cities. Cities. And it's also a different level of social credit system. If you haven't done your due diligence, you know, you've been naughty and you just drove there <laughs> thinking you could go in what God's land, right? This is God's land. This does not belong to the government. And we're trying to make that clear to them. And it needs yeah. to be that there would be, you know, 200 of us show up one day at one of these parks and say, push aside, we're coming through. This That's is right. our, our, our park and our God-given inalienable right to be here. I, I, I want to thank you. That was a really important and very interesting point. I had no idea about that. It, it infuriates me, all of this, and I'm sure it infuriates our viewers. Oh, and I'm a hiker. I, I want to go out hike places. That, oh, Mirror Woods, north of the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco, is a place called Mirror Woods, a little microclimate of redwoods. we got some big ones. You can't just drive there and first come, first serve. And if it's full, too bad, drive away. Nope, online permit to park your car. Same thing again. They're doing it more and more. And then when you do it online, you're paying with a card. Your computer's not taking cash. They want to get the cash out, of course, but they're pushing it in. City, county, state, and federal. They're doing this everywhere. Uh, there's a lot more to this, too. I'm just touching on the forest fires right now. <laughs> no, no. Any of these kind of tidbits we want to hear about. We want people to hear this uh, information whole, as well. The other thing, especially parks, I see it, but they're increasing the width of our sidewalks so the road shrinks. Then they're putting the bicycles out in the middle of the road and putting painted uh, emblems in the street saying bikes may use whole lane. Put the signs up everywhere. Bikes can use the whole lane. So now you got a bicycle for. I, I don't want my kids out there. They're pedaling at five miles an hour, blocking traffic. They're putting them out in harm's way to slow us down, make the case to get us out of our cars. The parking spots, they're putting red zones everywhere. They're uh, right or left turns, especially right turns. They're bubbling the sidewalks out. They'll take a whole street corner out. And make it go way out into the street now. So to make your right turn, you have to go way out to turn to come onto your little side street. So they're really making it hard on cars everywhere. Oh, they're putting signs everywhere, new signs. No more right turns. They're getting rid of right turns where you used to stop, look both ways, and go. Nope. You have to. They put a light in, and then no turn on red. Even nobody's coming for a mile. You can't turn on red. They're really controlling the traffic and shutting us down. And like I said, parking squares, they're taking them away everywhere. Just red zones for no apparent reason. Oh, on the road, and this is county, 
unincorporated county, cities, state parks, uh, national parks. They're doing it everywhere. They own it all. And so our taxes are paying for all the extra paint, the sign, the labor, the work, and changing the sidewalk when we already have a sidewalk. But if they add an extra foot on both sidewalks, the street just got smaller. And they're making oversized bike lanes, if they have a bike lane, right here at my house. Amazing what they're doing. Um, and another way to take our funds and send it, you know, give it to private organizations that are building all this stuff, stuff we don't need. Um, that's a whole other story. But the only thing I agree with is the circles. I do like the circles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's but, the first time I... Moving. Yeah, they keep you moving. The first, but... Yep. The first time I came across those was uh, when I was in New Zealand. And uh, any, anyways, I've th- I thought those were pretty cool. Like you say, it keeps traffic moving. They have them throughout yeah. Europe and, and they do have a purpose. I, I just think this is a really important time because people, if they're frustrated and infuriated like me, you're going to want solutions. And so this is a look at Action for Canada nationwide. We have 100 chapters and we are growing. We are vetting new chapter leaders uh, every single week. And we plan on being in every single town and community across this nation. And within those town and communities, we are mobilizing citizens very effectively. Part of our plan is that we want to take back every level of government. And as you can hear, this is being done by elected officials with our tax money, right? We're paying to have this noose tightened around our neck and it's up to us to bring an end to it. And so in the last election, we managed a, a Several of our um, Action for Canada leaders actually ran as school board trustees and got elected. And many other people were working hard as well, got good people into office. So they've spent decades, many decades, bringing this tyranny in. And we're turning it over pretty quick because once you light up and fuel a nation, there's 40 million of us in Canada and like a couple of thousand of them. I think we can do this. And throughout the United States, I encourage anybody in the U.S., come on to Action for Canada's pages, look up our notices of liability, look up our information on 15-minute cities and what we're doing, copy, paste, do whatever you need, uh, you know, to turn this tyranny over. Okay, thank you, Terenzio, for sharing that screen. People want solutions, right? They don't want to just have the bejeebers scared out of them and then turn this program off and not know what to do. We need solutions. And uh, we're also taking legal action against the BC and federal government. And uh, we're not going to stop until justice prevails. And just good news report, uh, you know that uh, the, the the uh, leader of the Netherlands, Mr. Root, has uh, resigned, and that's extremely good news. But in the report that I heard, there's multiple, it's it's like they're calling it a far-right movement across Europe, where we're taking back our countries, uh, Italy, Greece, uh, they named several other ones. And so I'm very good. excited about this. But it means you can't sit at home on your butts and leave it up to us. We need you to sign up in our chapters. We need you to get actively involved in helping us out. And when it comes time for elections, we need thousands and thousands of people lining up outside the poll stations ready to vote and be scrutineers. We need to watch these liars and cheats that are on the inside, right? Because they'll do whatever they can uh, to keep these tyrannical leaders in place and um so yeah go ahead robert i had one more thought that just hit me um in california at least they're making fire insurance astronomical 
a quadruple what it used to be. And that's another way to get us out of the country. If you own your house outright, okay, you don't have to have fire insurance. But if you're still paying it off, you can't afford the fire insurance anymore. So you And you can't find anybody that will cover you. So you move out of the countryside back to the mega cities. That's another what thing they're doing. Um, and, you know, the forest isn't burning, of course. We've gone through all that. Uh, and, you know, I'm hired to trim trees away from buildings and homes all over the Bay Area. And it's just one big joke to me. Because <laughs> to me, it's opposite world. We should get insurance on our trees in case our house burns our trees down. Which right. doesn't. The trees are still there. It's opposite world. The house isn't burning down from the tree. It's the other way around. And not many trees are burned up. You saw my photos. No. I've got a thousand photographs. Um, so yeah. people need to stay vigilant. And I don't know what you can do with this fire insurance thing. It's just criminal. That's another way to get you out of the countryside. Oh, it's terrifying too, city, right? What's yeah, that? I was going to say, I was going to say it's terrifying because, you know, I've got very dear people who are near to me who are in the midst of burning a house, but two, uh, it's not burning a house, building a house. And uh, two years ago, they're on 10 acres. It's got a lot of forest around them. And I had to uh, very urgently leave what I was doing, drive many hours and help them evacuate uh, because these massive fires were coming over the mountains, uh, you know, towards their home. Whole towns were evacuated. Uh, uh, then there was a fire. We got that under control, uh, helped them evacuate. One of their horses got stolen. That was tra- traumatic. I mean, we're, we're sleeping on fumes and working on fumes. And um, anyways, then I had to uh, a second time assist them. They were, were burying tools into the ground. But based on what you're saying, <laughs> those tools weren't probably any better in the ground. And then another fire had started within their farm community down the street. And those nasties tried to tell them that they couldn't put out the fire. And they said, oh, yeah. we're going to be working on this until this fire is out and you can't stop us. Good. And that's what they, needs to they're happen. Told. They're, they are telling firemen to back up, retreat, back up, don't put it out. This is happening everywhere. I've heard this a lot already. And here in California, it's Cal Fire is the culprit. The little municipal fire stations are doing their best to put these fires out. But Cal Fire is the leading organization and they're always told to back up stand down go away let it burn i've heard plenty of stories like that anybody wanting to help out oh no 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 well, we don't need any help um oh, so houses are on fire not really the forest and housing housing materials we don't want to breathe that stuff i know back east is the big ones most of that stuff is not organic matter these are metals and plastics and um Anything close to a house or in a house, that's what we're breathing. It's not normal forest smoke. And the ground itself, I've come to believe the ground itself is on fire. Now, the ground is full of all kinds of metals, just naturally. Ferrous and non-ferrous metals are everywhere in the ground. The ground itself is on fire, and the grass, the dead grass, is burning only as an after effect. That's what I've come to realize. Even if you have a house on all dirt acreage, and there's not a tree or a shrub or grass, anything, They'll still burn your house down when no fires should even be there. The ground itself is on fire. I'm positive on that stuff. You had mentioned about the ground burning and, uh, you know, that the fires were starting from the ground and coming upwards. And Terenzio, we have that great clip. Can we play that? And then, Robert, you could comment on it. 
All right, we're talking again about Oregon's fires. Now, because even though our historic weather system is over, the wind isn't whipping these flames through our communities anymore, the fight to contain these fires is not over at all. And in many cases, that fight is invisible. I'm our Keeley Chalmers first told us about this last night, reported on this phenomenon, raging 1,200-degree fires burning unseen underground in the root systems of forests. And these aren't like in the middle of nowhere, you know, miles and miles in the middle of the forest. They're near homes within walking distance of where people might accidentally stumble upon them. So even though it might look like some of these big fires are being put out, being contained and controlled, there's still a lot of danger there. That's a pretty concerning thought and a vision of what it is that you've been talking about. Uh, can you comment on this? Why, well, sure. Um, it's going back to where I say the ground itself is on fire. <clears throat> and I, I believe the reasons are for that is, and especially where the trees are, is the roots and the lower trunk of the tree holds a lot of moisture. And some of those, uh, it's more on the water soluble side. And your electric currents go through uh, water very quickly. Um, so it ignites these areas uh, that have the moisture. And also, I believe there's a percentage of ferrous and non-ferrous metals in the ground. And that's going to add to it um, um, because the metals are on fire when you put them in a microwave. So between the metals, ferrous, non-ferrous, like aluminum, and this water, um, they're igniting underground with little oxygen. Way underneath there, you shouldn't have these big flames without the oxygen. You will, you'll, In a normal forest fire fires will go underground if the duff the duff the leaf drop from all your trees is thick enough it will have embers that just creep along the ground underground but not giant flames with cavities everywhere it just creeps underground and in in a month from now you might see it somewhere else pop up and surface uh but those aren't those aren't normal and i have seen that a lot where the tree trunks are burned down into the ground four or five feet down below ground level and fire likes to climb. It doesn't like to go down. So I, I see that quite often at a lot of these places, besides the tree burning from the inside out. It burns down straight down to the ground. Sometimes it's just a hole. There's no wood left. So I attribute that to the water content. And then if it's shortly after winter or even summer, you dig a hole deep enough, there's moisture down there. And that's what's being ignited, the wet areas. Yeah, this is a strange phenomenon. I know that we've got some bogs around here and uh, at times there's been fires. And, you know, that's an area where you could be concerned about a fire, uh, you know, being smothered a bit and burning and popping up somewhere else, but not what we're seeing in these conditions. And so throughout your presentation, I mean, this really supports what you've been saying is how the metal is being ignited uh, you, through, through fence posts. The nails are what's burning, not the actual whole complete fence post. So that's a very interesting interesting uh, uh, video to support what it is that uh, you're saying and what you've shown in your presentation. And also when I talk about the water, um, <clears throat> the trees burning the most have the highest water contents. I'm finding creeks in area that are devoid of life. No more water bugs, frogs, turtles, salamanders, fish. I'm, and I checked out, I took a butterfly net actually to a creek and I was looking all over to find anything that was alive. And this creek had six foot deep pools, crystal clear. I couldn't find anything alive. So I want to say the creeks are like a conduit when they're electrified and it just kills all living things. Um, so that's something I'm going to be doing more often. I'm going to be checking out p ponds and things like that and see what kind of life is surviving. 
Yeah, I mean, just from the evidence that you showed us, you've you've got the evidence to prove this. And I mean, yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking about, uh, you know, I have done this once, it, only once, my friends, but I put my grandma's teacup in the microwave. I no longer own a microwave. I got rid of it many oh. years ago. But before I knew that they were harmful, I accidentally put my tea in the in the microwave to warm it up. And there's this, you know, there was a little bit of action going on in there. So I know what you're talking about when we see how metals can ignite and zap and, uh, you know, have an effect on wood. But with this new materials that, okay, so these, these fires are happening. And now, of course, they're uh, really encouraging people to get this fire retardant material for your concrete <laughs> side of your house. And I'm sitting here and then you get a better cost in insurance. And, and so what do you have to say about those materials now that they've been in, you know, uh, um, convincing yeah. people to use? I mean, this is costly stuff. Yeah, I, I don't believe in any of that, of course. It's one big lie. I'd like to see who the super corporations are that own these little corporations pushing it on us, sustainable and fire retardant. Like, uh, no, take a look at the houses. Take a good look. It's yeah. just one giant lie, and they're stealing our money and convincing, you know, how much the public believes this stuff. I mean, I had to throw my TV away 10 years ago. <laughs> it's just one pack of lies every single station. And the people n reading the news... They don't even know. They're just reading the script. They believe it too. I'm sure of it. I got to ask you that as a last question. Do you have any idea as to well, what course. kind of weaponry well, is being used? Because I understand that the ground, that well, was going to be a great wrap up to the okay. show, but I got to ask you, you, the land, two questions. The land is being sterilized. Can mm -hmm. it ever be, can it ever recover? That's one of my I questions. Hope so. I hope so. Um, Me too. You know, um, when it comes to weaponry, uh, of course, these are big companies that make the components. Um, who knows how many different components to make a weapon? They've got different lasers on everything. They're on everything with wheels, tracks, flies, or floats. They've got them on everything. Um, I don't suspect tiny little drones, but I'm not going to rule that out either. But to move fires eight and nine football fields a minute and make a concussion of wind that's pushing this thing around, we actually think they're coming from satellites. Mm -hmm. And John and Matt and I talk about this a lot. It's the only thing that makes sense. And in my 20s, we had a president in the 80s who came on national TV. It's the only thing I ever remembered about him. Worst president in U.S. history, um, <laughs> at least as far as I can see. And he tells the world or the country, we're developing our Star Wars defense system. And we all laughed at him. Not laughing anymore. No. Um, Yes, it could be jets, planes, um, who knows what. We're not sure of delivery systems, how long they do it. You know, is it a minute, two minutes, an hour. We have no idea. We're just trying to catch up and find out what they're doing. Yep. And the evidence is hard to find of them doing this, too. Uh, many la lasers I've heard, you don't see them. Whether it's daytime or night, you don't see them. Other ones you do see. So it's a real tall order to fi figure out how they're doing it. All I can do is examine the evidence that's left over. And that makes no sense to me. Somebody that studied a plant kingdom my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes no sense. Cooking on the fires. This is what I've done. I'm, I'm nerdy that way. <laughs> yeah. And so do you think the 5G towers that some of them could be rigged to do this? Because they're for putting fires, them all the way out in the mountains, right? Yeah, I don't right? think that's and, for fires. I think that's for our okay. body. To hurt our yeah, bodies. Like, oh, geez. It uh, is. I don't I mean, think that's for I, fires. 
Okay. And I don't a- really believe too much in the chemical sprays that's uh, advancing these fires either, because if you ke- sprayed that much chemicals, the trees would die. They'd pull all this stuff into their stomata, and it would be too much intake, and it would kill the trees, and we see vast forest dead. I've not seen that. Um, but I think that all that's for our lungs and our pollinated trees and bugs and insects. I think mostly it's our lungs. Um, I don't see this being an accelerant for these fires because the forest isn't burning. I don't see giant miles and miles of trees. I hike all the time throughout the whole Sierra. I don't see that. So, yes, there's a component to the chemtrails, but I don't believe that's the fire accelerant that people are thinking of. Yeah, this is more laser specific. It's funny that you brought up about, um, you know, the chemtrails and stuff, because I I was out walking uh, my dogs the other day and I was looking at these larger trees. I looked up and I was like, oh, my goodness, it was fir trees, it was deciduous leafy trees. And it they were like they were burnt from the top to only about a quarter way down. And mm. The other trees as well. And another thing, I've got an ornamental cherry tree in my front yard. And for these last couple of years, never before, all throughout the summer, I have leaves dropping and dying and going brown. And I've never had that before. Yeah, they're trying to, you know, mess with our food supply. We already know that, too. Yeah, We see it in in our San Francisco Bay Area, fruit trees that always have fruit. And this year, there's none. And it was, and I'm hearing this more and more, not just right here. I'm hearing it from a lot of different friends and so a lot of these sprays, I think, is uh, lungs is number one. They're attacking our lungs. And then fruit trees, pollinators, insects, flies, bees, all that. Anything that flies is a pollinator, even a mosquito. <laughs> yeah, I always um, wonder, where do, where do these guys plan to live? I mean, aren't they breathing the same air, or do they have some sort of yeah. uh, superpowers, right? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah so people st- uh, need to stay vigilant and work together, get the word out, take pictures, Try to get it in little newspapers, however you can, even town hall meetings, whatever you can, because they own all the big information, and we're not going to even dent that. Um, It's really tough. Yeah, that's really good because the other thing about Action for Canada as well is we've reached out and we're working together with churches. So if you have a pastor and you're watching and you're viewing this, please reach out to the pastor in your church and join an Action for Canada chapter. If there wasn't, it isn't one in your community, one will be coming soon. So now we're, um, you know, partnering up with pastors and we have our weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings of chapter leader meetings. And, and what we do is we play these great shows within those meetings and inform a community. And the 2030 agenda, the 2050 agenda, the WEF has said that the uh, cities, the towns are closest to the people and they can implement and affect the greatest amount of change. And, And that's who they're using and paying out all this cash, right? And incentives printing. to bring this printing. tyranny against us, right? <laughs> yes, printing. Yeah, <laughs> we just monopoly money um, at this point. You, you remember the whole Agenda 21, Rio de Janeiro, and Father Bush signed on in 1992. There's only seven countries in the world that didn't sign on. I don't know who, which seven that is, but it just shows you the power of the billionaires, what they own. They own all governments pretty much, except for perhaps these seven, but their power is unbelievable. And we yeah. think governments have all the power. No, they're just pawns a little bit above us. Yeah. The billionaires are behind them. Um, and it's hard well, to we stop. Don't, yeah, we money, don't care. Give it to us. We build weapons for them. It's unbelievable. 
Yeah. Well, the grassroots doesn't care about their big bucks or big pharma or all the rest of it. We're willing to pour our time sacrificially into this war. I mean, the French resistance was amazing. Action Action for Canada is the Canadian resistance. And uh, we plan on taking this country back successfully and joining Italy and Greece and others with this far right movement. I mean, they say it like it's a bad word if you're not talking about the extremists, which any far left extremists are far, they're all extremists. We're talking about the far right. Right is is the correct word. I mean, we're right. We've got truth on our side and we're using the truth to set people free and our nations free. And we believe we're going to be successful at this and win this war. And so, Robert, on that, uh, I just am so grateful that you made the time to come on the show today. Is there any closing words that you have as we wrap this up? Um. Just try to make groups everywhere you can. Um, I try to do it to some extent. All the Try to get the word out however you can. Everybody needs to be a part of this because we have too much to lose, and we need everybody in the world to stand against the Billionaires Club. That's what I loosely call them all. Um, we just need everybody to get on board and do whatever they're able to, get the word out somehow, educate people on what's really going on. Get the pictures, get them on all the newspapers, magazines, whatever you have in your town or city. Just do, yeah, just stay vigilant, do what we can. Silence is complicit. And so, you know what I say, knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to share it. You've got a duty, you've got an obligation to share this video. So please make sure that this goes viral, get it into the hands of everybody you know, send it to your elected officials and ask for a meeting and a conversation with them. Say this is really urgent information. Give them examples of the lit and fire if you're in Canada. Pull up some other ones. Take a look at videos. Uh, of uh, news reports of fires that have taken place and you never uh, suspected them of something more uh, nefarious and then send it to your elected officials along with this and say, look, I'm really questioning what's going on and what kind of a weaponry is being used and how do we get to the bottom of this? You've covered a lot of information, Robert. I'm so grateful. Uh, This is a very serious situation. We take it very seriously and it's incredibly important to inform our viewers in the world. So thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here with us. Most welcome. My team and I were in the background texting and uh, just talking amongst us and in the chat as well. People are feeling, you know, quite infuriated by this information, but it's got to motivate us, right? Uh, We don't have to be afraid. We know that we're up quite uh, against quite a a group of... um, evil individuals. Uh, It's like insanity in in these last few years. But the more we learn, it's almost like the worse it gets. But I do have hope. That's why I keep giving those good news reports as to what's happening in Europe, where they're overturning uh, these uh, leaders, they're getting them out of office, and they're focusing on getting their countries back on track. And it's all because good people decided to stand up. And so Action for Canada is really trying to give you all that you need to have the resources, the campaigns and the strategy to do that, and to build those communities within communities of like-minded people. We need everybody on board doing this together. All right, so um, 
As I had mentioned in my weekly update, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be on a speaking tour in Ontario, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia uh, starting on August, um, July 22nd is my first speaking event till August 7th. So I'm hoping I'm going to meet a lot of you great people, and I'm hoping to increase our chapters and our memberships and really motivate people to get involved. And so um, in place of that, in the next three weeks on the Empower Hour, we are are going to have a summer movie marathon and I'm really excited about this I love it because we're going to be doing the uh, pandemic series and so uh, the 26th will be pandemic one second and then third uh, we're very grateful to Mickey Willis for permitting us to do this I was texting with him and I said you know this be very helpful in me being able to travel without having to do all the writing and uh, arranging all of the guests in advance so this is also incredibly important we're asking you to reach out and do a watch party invite your neighbors friends co-workers because the pandemic series is one of the best that I know in order to have those people that are just waking up or sitting on the fence become completely aware. And uh, Mickey and his team have done such a phenomenal job. So I hope that you will be involved in that. If you haven't joined Action for Canada, make sure you do so right now because we're sending out tonight the movie marathon um, information so that you can register for those events coming up. All right, Terenzio, so if we could bring up the Bible verse for this week, that would be great. We're going to read Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, and I just take such comfort in that because I truly believe that God is with us, that he is in control of the weather. He is in control of all the events that are happening on earth. And, you know, as a believer, I just feel so confident that I don't have to walk in any kind of fear. And so I, I wish for you as well to be blessed with that kind of confidence. Anyways, we just thank you for spending the time with us on this very lengthy Empower Hour, but we thought that it was important to cover all of the details we hope that you will share it with others and that you'll um, also sign up for the movie marathon and be here with us next week. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you and God bless Canada.